you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, it's Danielle, Will, and Ryder from Pod Meets World. Thanks to our friends at Hyundai, we were able to record a very special episode for you guys at the one and only, wait for it, Boy Meets World House. Take a listen. Are there any moments or spots on any of the sets we worked on over the seven years that you guys felt more at home that were like your little spots on the set you like to hang out? I'm afraid it was the sink. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, yeah. You had to act <laughs> by the sink a lot. lot. Yeah. I was behind the counter. Yeah. Right. Doing business constantly. Uh-huh. Mom stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> Disciplining you Amazing. in some way. This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. The Around the NFL podcast. It's recognized by no one in the United States. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast presented by the United States Marine Corps. My name is Dan Hansis. I'm joined in a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, please? Hey, Dan. Oh, yeah. Tuesday show. So are we going to throw to the uh, five-minute conversation we just had about the, the combine? Or ten-minute conversation. 25-minute conversation. Which then ended with Dan being like, this is the show. We should have been taping this. <laughs> like which I is said, like something that's happened basically every time. There's no need at this point, having done the show as long as we have and as much time as we spend with each other, there is no point talking when the mics aren't on at this point. That was I know not that five seems minutes. That was cold, clinical, even dysfunctional, and rude. It's just, it's just true, though. I mean, if we're gonna say, if we're gonna have an interesting conversation, this many years in, you might as well be recording it. <laughs> You're right. That does sound cold. I was recording it though. Ooh. Maybe I like re- release the tapes. Uh, I mean, sure. 19 of I, 25 <laughs> minutes could be used. I did think about that because, you know, uh, you guys were nice enough to take that tape, tape that uh, Thanksgiving podcast. So Wes and I had... <laughs> Me and Mark are the only ones that heard it, but... Yeah. <laughs> Wes and I had Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You know, I guess we taped on Wednesday, but, you know, Wednesday afternoon through Sunday morning. And I realized, like, that's the longest I've not seen you guys in a long time, those three days. Do not shake your head at me. Erica. <laughs> it, was, it, was a, it was a nice break. That's, that's all I'm saying. I, I get it. It was a nice There's little no break. No, we hear you. We hear Erica <laughs> just slacked me or used the chat client to say, tell them it wasn't my fault that there was a major technical snafu with our Thanksgiving show. I will not. I will not say that. Why not? Why won't you tell the truth? I'll let Greg's good at delivering this type of... No, I'm, I'm out on... I didn't have anything commentary. to do with this. It wasn't Ricky. 
I wasn't producing. I asked to work Friday, even from home, and they said no. So they had someone else do it. I think the paper paper trail would prove you correct in terms of everything that happened post-show. How we got there, that's up for debate. Thank you. That's all I wanted to say. You do incredible. So you're comfortable with us asking the shadowy league figure. That's exactly how it went down. Yeah, 100%. Mm -hmm. I have text. Dan was texting me. We were. Oh, I was. But you weren't mad at me. You were mad at this individual. I was mad at the entire situation. Right. I was at the zoo at the time when they started texting me and... (laughs) And I sent a, a pretty good picture of a leopard. Oh, yeah. And I thought you guys would appreciate that, but no comment. <laughs> um, no comment. Admit, yeah, there was a snafu with the Thursday show, and some people got a podcast that I wasn't even aware existed, but apparently there's another um, show that Bucky Brooks does uh, that they put out on this platform. Um, <laughs> well, that's why it felt yeah. like a high-concept prank against not only you and me, but everyone involved with our show, right. was that that particular show appeared in our place. Very yeah, great moment. This would be a very confusing first around the NFL <laughs> podcast for anyone to listen to. Well, you've been you've already made seven years of mistakes if you've not been listening up till now. Um, all right, so we have so much to get to, so we should stop uh, dilly dallying because big news in the NFL. We have a second head coach who's now been dismissed. Also, we have a uh, a nice uh, seg. Which team changed your mind the most in week 13? Uh, we have a Thursday night preview, Dallas at Chicago. Is that? No, it is not a dirt nap game for the Cowboys because of the state of the NFC East, but the Bears certainly need the game to stay um, mathematically relevant in the national, in our league. In our league. The Bears break must that. win in our league. We got a couple of our leagues on uh, the Monday telecast. We also got a This League, which sometimes is a good surrogate for Our League. This League is good, though, because it's more inclusive. Our League is clearly, I, strat- I I suited up. I had the helmet on. I I went through the This pain. League's fine. This yeah, League is fine. It's accurate. I, I asked Luke last night, is, is Jamarcus yeah. Russell uh, waltzing around town saying, you know, in Our League, we do this? So it's like, is what is the level of where you're even allowed to say that you participated with any amount of honor? I think you have to have a pension. Mm. Well, I mean, we work for the NFL. We were involved in some pension action for a bit there. Different pension. Okay. Not a, not our pension. Oh, not our pension. <laughs> in our pension. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so Dallas at Chicago we'll talk about. And yes, uh, Ron Rivera is out, and we're going to get to that in a moment. But before we do, let us recap. Actually, should we start with Ron Rivera? Let's do it. It's not let's very start. the lead. Yes, we'll get to Monday Night Football, but let's start with the big news that broke about an hour before we uh, went on the air today. Ron Rivera out as Panthers head coach. Uh, this was his ninth season with the team, a two-time NFL Coach of the Year, a NFC Conference champion in the 2015 season, the 15-1 and season where the Panthers uh, fell short in Super Bowl 50 against the Broncos, a guy that's widely respected across the league. And yet, this the timing is surprising, but the fact that it happened is not because Greg David Tepper, who took over as the owner officially uh, last summer, uh, you saw him kind of itching to, to make a move to put his stamp on the organization, and he made the decision to get ahead of this. There was no way Rivera was going to survive past 2019. So f- with four games to go, Ron Rivera out as head coach of the Panthers. Yeah, the timing is is always going to be a surprise when it's in week you know, 14 we're heading into. It's a Tuesday morning. It's actually the same day that Mike McCarthy was fired uh, last time. And I 
last year rather, and I think the two cases are are fairly similar. The Panthers know they're going to make a change. It's going to be a seismic one. They hinted in the press release of adding a vice president uh, to the mix, an assistant general manager to the mix, but do not mention Marty Herney, which would indicate the plan is to add pieces to the front office around Marty Herney, but his status is probably very much up in the air as well based on what coach he's going to figure that out later. So why, why wait around? I guess in theory, you can start talking to some of these college coaches or guys like Mike McCarthy that are out there. That's what we heard in green Bay. In the end, it didn't really matter in green Bay. Like the, the you know, they had, they had to wait for Matt LaFleur and that's the most likely route that the Panthers are going to have to take. There's another similarity to Mike McCarthy that his offense had stopped working. And that's what he was brought in for, his offense. He was an offensive guru. Ron Rivera, they've got quarterback problems, sure. But their defense dropped to 32nd and dead last in run defense DVOA last week. Uh, they can't even stop the run when they stack the box. Since midseason, they have been among the worst teams in blitz effectiveness and deep passing from their secondary. And they had dropped to a bottom five or six defense overall in the league. This is what Ron Rivera was brought in for, his defense. I thought it was interesting when David Tepper made very strong comments, and we talked about it on the show a couple weeks ago, saying person A, B, or C is not going to decide what happens to Cam Newton. Let's start right there. This is, mm. this is an active, involved owner, and you have some owners that say, I've got the money. I want an NFL team as my plaything to invite people into a box, and we can watch the game, and that's going to be great. But David Tepper took over Jerry Richardson's Panthers culture. And I think like when we've seen a lot of CEO shifts here, but in other companies I've worked for, the smart thing to do as CEO is not come in and fire everyone and bring in your friends two weeks in. You wait, you look, you examine the organization from top to bottom, and then you make the changes you want to make after you've spent some time. And that's what's happening here. I think that the it, we can call it stunning that it happened right now. We're not that far away. We're a, we're a hop, skip, and a jump away from the end of the year. Is anybody really stunned? No. Not at all. It just seems to be the word. I guess yeah. I guess the reference is, you know, we heard it on NFL Network that some assistants were stunned. Stunned because they're probably, you know, horse blinders on. You're sure. just working towards the next thing. Well, and but, he's been there nine years. So well, he was a, one of the longest tenured guys. And so I think it, that's going to be a shock no matter what. It's the kind of thing where, like, when Peyton Manning suddenly wasn't on the Colts, it's like visually, optically, it's hard to imagine any other coach on the sideline. But David Tepper has been giving rumblings of this when he's spoken for a long time that he was not, ha- he was brought into a culture that obviously needed major changes. He could have fired him last offseason. He didn't. He had, some, he had some patience, actually, to let a guy who's had a lot of success. I mean, they won three straight NFC South championships. At uh, a time when no one had ever won back-to-back in that division. Right. One of those years was 7-8-1, and one, so that, that takes some luck. But he won Coach of the Year twice. I mean, that's more Coach of the Year awards than Andy Reid has, than Sean Payton has, than Pete Carroll. Just Car- behind Bill Belichick. You know, Pete Carroll has. And those years, in the, the first one has a connection to our podcast, 2013. That was the original uh, team of around the NFL because Wes and really, you know I, myself, uh, we enjoyed watching that team. It was a lot of fun. And... Tepper, if, if you watch the All or Nothing season uh, last year, you kind of got the vibe. They they had installed a camera right in his luxury suite pointing down at him. And every game, because a big part of the All or Nothing uh, story, sometimes too big in my opinion, but that's another conversation, is going through each game of the season. And Tepper's box was a part of every game. 
I think as time goes on, you're going to see he's going to be one of the most forward-facing owners in the league because I think he enjoys it the way Jerry Jones enjoys it. And I do have uh, a missive from David Tepper that was released after the dismissal. Here it is. We are going to take a comprehensive and thorough review of our football operation to make sure we are structured for long-term sustained success. Our vision is to find the right mix of old-school discipline and toughness with modern and innovative processes. We will consider a wide range of football executives that complement our current football staff. One change that we will implement is hiring an assistant general manager and vice president of football operations. Did you guys mention this yet? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, then I'll cut the missive. Right <laughs> do you believe he wrote, like? Do you believe that these CEOs ever write that? Yeah. Well, I believe well, that they, I think they, dictated, I think yes. they give verbal notes and someone else. It's tracing in a not giant there office on Microsoft Word. You know, going <laughs> yeah. through paragraphs and cutting and pasting. There's a lot of buzz that you know he's analytic minded. That he wants you know something that's cutting but edge. A mix. And he even he even mentioned it like a mix of old school football, new, <laughs> I new mean, school football. On. We'll we'll see what that means. I do think that people are too um, ready to say goodbye to Cam Newton there and that Cam Newton could be extremely attractive to some coaching candidates that make the case of why they have a plan to keep Cam Newton. Well, if your other only other option is Kyle Allen and Will Greer, who can't overtake Kyle Allen, then I, I think I would be shocked at this point if Cam Newton is not mm. there next. Is this a good job? Yes. I mean, any NFL head coach job is a great if job. If you click with David job, Tepper right. and you find out that it, two years in, you still click with David Tepper, I think it is. But, that's, team, but the roster itself. You got some players. Yes. You got Kwan yeah. Short. You got Luke Keekley. You, Shaq Thompson. The receiver group is good. You got Christian McCaffrey. I should have mentioned right at the top. I, I think so. And I think you have an owner that's that's going to spend. And we should mention Norv Turner is no longer their offensive oh, coordinator. Yeah. He is the assistant to the new interim coach, Perry Fuel. And Scott Turner, Norv's son, is taking over play calling, which is which is strange. And it and it reminds me kind of of Rivera's challenge in this hiring cycle because I'm sure he'll get interviews. He, he's a good coach uh, and has a great record, but he's not an offensive coach. So what's his plan for offense? Who's he bringing with him wherever he would go? That's going to be the first question anyone asks him. They're moving into a brand new facility next year, uh, just across the border in South Carolina. I think Rock Hill. They have a an owner who seems from afar who really wants to win. He's competitive, but lets his football people make their football decisions. And I did like what he said about the mix of sort of that innovative new school approach with the old school discipline. I mean, I think most owners are probably going for that, but I think it's a good job. Kevin Colbert, by the way, the Steelers general manager is unsigned going into next year, went out of his way to not resign with the Steelers. And Tepper was the minority owner mm. with the Steelers. Look at uh, that dot connecting. For a long time. So that was good. That was good. Whispering. I mean, so was Jimmy Haslam. So. And if, <laughs> there you go. Maybe Steelers, Haslam goes Steelers again. have that little pink pony operation of their own going on. And I do Ron Rivera on the Giants sideline. That makes a lot of sense to me. However, as we mm. talked about downstairs, Dave Gettleman uh, and Ron Rivera, uh, not bedfellows at this point. So maybe the GM would have to be swept out. Of Do we know that for sure? What a strange no. term. I don't even know. I mean, I, I would imagine Gettleman is out, but I mean, like, we, it, it's so funny how we assume that we know these two people don't like each other, like each other. We don't know. I was first going off clue. what Greg said. No, I know, but it's like, but I, <laughs> there's, even, been some, who knows? there's been some other uh, thoughts that that could make sense. Who knows? A reunion. A reunion. A, oh. That happens. Mother and child reunion. Greg is? You know that one, Wes? Oh, yeah. Uh, that's Paul Simon. That's correct. 
Uh, Greg does have these back channel whispers down, you know. You never know when he's he's coming loaded for a podcast with material oh, yeah. that you don't think he has. Oh, yeah. He's privy to things. It's That's... called having Ian on, on speed dial. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, let's, uh, let's now circle back and let's do a little Monday Night Football talk. Big game. Russell's got time. He's got David Moore wide open. Moore makes the catch. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Seahawks. From 60 yards, Russ looked up, saw David Moore running right past Xavier Rhodes and said, here you go. Serves it up on a platter. And the Seahawks are on top, 26 to 17. And they're doing the hula in the end zone, the Seahawks receivers. Wow, what a big play for Seattle. The Seahawks Radio Network, yes. The hula. And I just want to say, the touchdown celebration that they did was one of the more impressive things I can remember. It was synchronized. It had the Monday Night Football camera right in their face with a, with a great sight line behind them. Bravo. Everybody's like, oh, I just, I just like ball. No, no, I, I learned great. later. I just like talking ball. No, I I saw, it was from New Edition, right? That's, I, it, that's what I was. Is that what it was? Yeah, I didn't yeah. think it was the hula, whatever. The I hula think Black Sports is. Online posted the the actual video and their rendition, and it was it was pretty good. And and Hawk, don't try slapping us yeah. down. Well, I was Andrew Hawkins, for any type of reaction. Andrew like. Hawkins made the great point. You don't know how hard that is. There's no, they don't have any music. The crowd's going yes, crazy, that and that you can be synchronized. That's tough. Wes is like, I'm silent because I am waiting to talk ball. I had a point or two I had to type in real quick to make sure if okay. if, it, if you came to me first with the game, you know, I have to give something solid. Okay. I'm coming to you <laughs> first with the game, Wes, so get ready. Greg and I are in trouble. We're not, we're not going to be heard from. I don't have anything. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so the Minnesota Vikings went to Seattle. Things started well. They had the lead at the half, but then the Seahawks did what they always do, which is find a way at home. They started scoring. Uh, recklessly in the second half, end up with a 37-30 to 30 win. Um, Rashad Penny and Chris Carson have great game. Both of them, bo- great games. Both went over 100 total yards. Russell Wilson made his uh, big plays, as he always does, including that David Moore touchdown. Uh, Wes, uh, Seattle now takes over first place in the NFC West. It's a tie, but they have the tiebreaker with the Niners. They move all the way up to the number two seed. Uh, how impressed were you by this particular performance? Well, it seemed to have a lot of the hallmarks of most of their like late game adrenal- adrenaline rush performances. I-, I think a difference in this one is we're seeing Rashad Penny now back to back weeks emerge as that one two punch out of the backfield. This is starting to look like last year where their running game is just dominating. The offensive line probably had their best game of the year. And they piled up 444 yards on a good defense. And it seemed to me like they just – offensively, the Seahawks are now bullying people in a way they wanted to earlier in the year and couldn't. And defensively, their defensive line has come alive and dictated the action over the past month mm-hmm. in a way they didn't earlier in the year. I, I thought they really overwhelmed the Vikings offensive line in this one. Along with Rashad Penny, it's a team where they don't have – they have some stars, but you got every game – 
key plays from guys like Jerron Reed, Quandry Diggs, who's been awesome. We talked about him. Bradley McDougald, Rasheem Green, Ziggy Ansah. Like, they all did key things last night. And they're using six offensive linemen to pound people. And I can't think of a coach whose image and overall higher ability in general has changed more under Pete Carroll than Brian Schottenheimer, who, with the Rams and in previous stops, was viewed as a stuck-in-the-past, totally... He came out this year... Was viewed by Mark Sessler. Well, but you know what? I was very down on... on uh, and, it and hurt, everyone else, and it hurt, including me. It, I heard, it hurt me. Hurt me I mean, Marty Schottenheimer is one of my favorite coaches, but I think Brian Schottenheimer came into this year saying, we're going to throw to our running backs, we're going to use them in different ways, and it's proven true, especially now that it's two guys and their offense is dangerous, and the Seahawks strike me as a team where we can look at a couple of these divisional winner types where if they don't have the lead, you can get to them. They can be beaten. They need the lead to succeed and to flourish in certain cases, and the Seahawks seem like they can win. They won, they've won two overtime oh, the games. No, the Seahawks have okay. won two games yeah. in overtime in the past four weeks. They can win any type of football game. I don't care where they're at at halftime. They're never out of it. We say it every week because it's true. Well, they also, I mean, they've in their four biggest games of the year, they've given up, you know, defensive or special teams touchdowns. They've won a couple of them. They've they've lost a couple of them. Like weird things happen in their games. This was an interesting Monday, you know, primetime game with two stars at at quarterback, and you had the Cousins angle. And I didn't think it was about the quarterbacks. I just didn't. This was a no. game where the quarterbacks. It's not that they didn't matter, but Cousins played pretty well. I don't think it was one of Russell Wilson's best games of the year. I would say. As good as a year that he's had, I would say it was probably one of his worst games of the year. Uh, you know, a couple a couple things he would take back. With Schottenheimer, though, it's funny. Seahawks Twitter is, you know, is a wild, magical place. There's still an argument whether they're, like, good despite Schottenheimer or good because of him. And, they, and there's definitely a lot of frustration with, like, game management of, you know, they punt on fourth and one very early in the game despite that good running attack and the Vikings score right afterwards. They waste timeouts like like no other team in the league. And it's like people... It, well, that's not all in Schottenheim. It's weird. Yeah, it's not, that's not all in Schottenheim. I just it's wonder weird. if, like, the biggest difference between Brian Schottenheimer now is, like, Russell Wilson instead right. of Mark Sanchez. Is there, <laughs> right. I mean, and, how, and that's not even a shot against him necessarily. Well, I'd but say the same about Mike Pettin. I'm just never had say, a quarterback like, till now. With all, many offensive coordinators, I would say most, you're tied to your quarterback in so many ways. Maybe he's one of those guys. I have a wild suggestion for that corner of Seahawks nation. What if, stay with me here, mm-hmm. instead of litigating your offensive coordinator every week, just enjoy the ride the rest of the yeah. week? Yeah, right. I mean, this is, this is a, a team to enjoy. So, they had the ball for 40 minutes. And it, it's interesting because they don't have Tyler Lockett right now, really. He's out in the field, but he's not the same guy that he was no early catches. in the season. I think he has one catch over the last two weeks. He's someone that's played through injury, but not you know played well through injury yeah. in the past. And that's what's happening right now. Josh Gordon has not been a factor, but they but DK Metcalf has stepped up to the point Steve where Calf, Metcalf Decaf yes he could be in the mix for offensive rookie of the year if you don't feel like giving it to a quarterback. Okay. I came out of this game though, behind Josh Jacobs. Mm, I, I came fair. out of this game like not, you know, and the Vikings are one of the teams that I've distinctly just said, that's fine. I know you're going to make the playoffs and you're going to, you're going to get whacked at some point. <laughs> you don't have to agree with me, but I just have, there's just too much high class operations going on in the NFC right now. But this game in the loss made me think much more of them the way that they did. There was a, they could have been buried at one point and had a they lot fought of bad luck. their way back over and over. And I don't kill them for losing in Seattle on Monday night. I agree with that, but the, the, Dalvin Cook injury bothers me. A shoulder for a running back really bothers me because I've seen so many good running backs 
go from running with abandon and fearlessness, we've seen it from Ryan Matthews and Mark Ingram when they had shoulder injuries, to running with a completely tentative style after the shoulder injury, and that's something to look for. With they have a good, Cook. Yeah, they have a good backup with Madison, which will help, but he's not the same player. He's a totally different player. I hated the, the Vikings game because this was their chance uh, up by a touchdown coming out of the half to really stamp themselves as we are one of the truly elite NFC teams, and I think it just reinforced to me anyway that they're just a tier below, maybe the top of that next tier, but still not a team that I think is going to go through the NFC, which is which is a gauntlet, obviously, this season. I just saw a team that could have wiped, they could have lost this 42 to 20, and it would have been right. like, I have no faith in you. And I, I thought that this, their second half was one where they, it, they did not give up on any level. Right. That's what I'm, they they, they had back. some bad luck. I mean, th- their first four drives were a, a three and out. Cook <laughs> Cook gets injured and loses a fumble on the same play. Diggs drops a pass that turns into an interception. I mean, the pick six kind of averages. There were some wacky plays in this game. There were some crazy plays. And, but ultimately, Kirk Cousins did have a chance to go win the game on their last drive, and he played well in the fourth quarter. Uh, but you know, some of their play calling that you're, you know, you're throwing it to Laquan Treadwell and then uh, a covered Irv Smith is the only option on fourth down. I'm con- I'm a little concerned if I'm a Vikings fan that the run defense has been so bad uh, in this game. The pass defense has been bad in other weeks. They benched Xavier Rhodes at one point. Still moving a step And then slow. he said after the game, you know, they tried to talk to him and he was just like, I'm out the door. And that, you know, he that's a bad situation. There's just like, there's just... Secondary hasn't played well. Thielen's hurt. There's just some, you know, Riley Reef is hurt. Their, their left tackle didn't play the second half of this game. They've got some issues they got to overcome, but the schedule's favorable. The, yeah, and this, Wes, this is... I'm glad Greg brought it up so I didn't have to. But I will note that Kirk Cousins did take the field with 317 to play in all three times. Oh, my God. You're going to try Wait, to make this about Kirk it. Cousins. It's got to be said. Someone's got to oh say God. it. Oh, my God. You're gonna, this Wes, game in particular, you're going to try to make about Kirk Cousins. Someone needs to say it. No, okay. you really don't. Okay. You really don't. You and the rest of Twitter do not have to say, hey, this is about Kirk Cousins. You don't have to. Wait a second. I didn't say that. You, see, you're, you're being selective in what you're hearing from me right now. This loss was on their <laughs> defense uh, mostly, but it should be said. He takes the field, 317 to play, three timeouts, down four points, and goes five and out. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. You could say Good that all I'm caring about is Kirk Cousins. Here's but what I'll that say. was a because, moment. Because it happened at a time when you were watching, you think it's more important than any other game where a quarterback takes the field with three minutes left. And no, all I, I watch all the games, Wes. I'm saying <laughs> right, this you, game. When, when's the last time you pointed out another quarterback in a similar situation didn't be, get it done? Because Kirk Cousins is different than the other quarterbacks. Right, We've talking about it all year. The pitchforks and torches crew on Twitter have decided he's a laughingstock. Point, and he's point different. Where is the pitchfork right now? Where are the you torches? You just brought it out. You did not have to talk about Kirk Cousins there. You really Wes, didn't. I the have story to say of that it. game was not Kirk Cousins. As you see, you're in your feelings right now. I am I'm saying it feel- had to I'm be said. I'm pointing out that you're being unfair. I mean, you tugged him into his feelings. I just said it. It just had to be said. He didn't it get didn't it done. It didn't have to be said. That's my whole point. But it, it was said, Wes, and the I'm- narrative remains intact. Oh, please. right. Keep your narrative. I saw a couple little websites trying to throw out cheap Kirk Cousins jokes and everyone shot him down and said, oh. Did you see any from me? I didn't websites. know that. You know you didn't, like SI's little pop culture website or whatever. <laughs> oh, hey, let's do a Dr. Phil gift because Kirk, Kirk Cousins. No, that's hey, not guy, true. your joke's stale. When a guy leads the league in passer rating for seven straight weeks, you're not really going to make jokes about his passing anymore. I, I for right. one, just want to be on record. I'm glad you, you brought it up. 
<laughs> and, and this and, was not his fault, and, Wes. And it, I, no one's going to have to talk about no one, it because no one's, it was part of the game. No one's, saying, no one's saying it was his fault. I, I don't think it was. But that was an opportunity for their team that they will rue. I mean, that he had an, they had an incredible comeback, and they did have a chance for a massive win that would keep them in first place in the NFC North that would have been one of the most stirring wins of the entire Mike Zimmer era. And when they got that ball, I, like a lot of Vikings fans, kind of switched. I mean, I was, I was excited to like see what was going to happen. The way it was going, it felt like maybe they're going to go down the field. I don't put it on Cousins. You know, they also were very short on their wide receivers, but it was a blown opportunity that, that they're going to be angry about. I look forward to this with every other quarterback in the league, really. I mean, it's, it has reached the point of absurdity <laughs> that every time Kirk Cousins has a chance to win, we talk about him in a way we do with with none of the other quarterbacks. Well, especially the when the other quarterback is missing. They're starting wide out. They're star running back. I think the left tackle at no, that point, right. too. I get it. That's what would have made it you know, more in Seattle. stirring. I'm not, no one's putting it on Cousins. Cousins, if anything, there was some criticism. You know, It's just a tough spot where you're thrown to a covered Laquan Treadwell on third down, and then you have basically one option, no alternatives, but to throw it to Irv Smith, who was well covered on, on fourth down, and that's it. The game's over. It's disappointing. I don't think Cousins had a good game. Really? But, but he wasn't the story of the game. No, I don't think he was good. That's he fine. checked down a little too much. I mean, he was a lot of that was because he was under duress, but he checked down a little too much. He missed a couple of throws late. But I don't think that needs to be like a let's check in on Kirk Cousins situation because he played all right. He played okay. Well, we he wasn't the story play, of the game. I'd love to see him play each other again. We got the Packers-Vikings week 16 should decide the NFC North. You never know. Both teams have cupcakes for the most part on their schedule otherwise, and that should decide who gets – that, uh, and Seattle, come. San Francisco, Week 17. I think you should start checking in on Dan Bailey after every game. That's who you should <laughs> check in on. He's, well, part of what – we've talked about this for weeks. I don't know why this is a surprise. Part of what makes Cousins fun is because he invites this type of uh, does he? scrutiny. He does. But you his track so? record, 0-8 on Monday nights, Wes. This is, why is you know, Monday night more important than any other zero, zero playoff wins. Do you think wins. we get better games on Monday night? Because I don't. Zero playoff wins. And he's never won on Monday Night Football. Well, These are the my... type of things that are attached to his resume. That's okay, all. you you want to talk about a late season win and go home game? All right, I'm on board. Let's let's talk about it. This was not a late season win or go home game. It was a Monday Night game. It was an important game though. At Monday Night Football, right? Let's but be this honest, is what's, not what's what Mike Zimmer? What's their defense's record on Monday Night? Like to me, that's that that's who lost this game. And I w- that's right. that's what I want to make clear. I'm not putting this on Kirk Cousins. I'm just I mean but, they had the ball. But, but why, did, why did you think we have to? address the issue if you're not putting it on him because that is putting it because on he, him. Because I think he factored into the loss. He you wasn't put it the on main, him. He wasn't the main reason, but he, he didn't help him win. Put it this way. It's 34-30 and Russell Wilson takes the field with a chance to win that game. I don't care who's off, who's on the field. Well, he did. I mean, he had a chance to go win the right. game and he took an awful sack. And, but that's you know, not his the narrative. De- his defense won the game for that's him. That's not the narrative. And, which which happened There's in San Francisco too. He played. He threw an awful interception in San Francisco, and his defense helped win the game for him. We know it, there's a, a difference a team between game. those passes. Thirty which other is why quarterbacks we don't have to talk about it after every game. Thirty other quarterbacks would love to be Russell Wilson too. I mean, Russell Wilson is incomparable with big, massive chunks of the league. All right, yeah. let's now do some news. The champ is here. Oh, it's back. The champ is here. The champ is here. Mm. Greg had it first. The champ is here commercial uh, for NFL shop. 
has come to a, it looks like it's wound down and been replaced by a holiday ad. And that was a big that was a big get for you, Greg. I got to give it. I gotta it was a big part of the season. Well, insider I haven't, I haven't double sourced it, so if it shows up next Sunday, I mean, I guess it's gonna look bad. Eat some crow on that. Uh, but the champ has been here for so long. For it's too been, long, he's been part of our life. The champ being here, I miss him. And I, I'll say oh this: there is a subsection of football Twitter, and this be, this was news to me because I reported it, and I properly cited you, Greg, was having it first that. <laughs> Patriots fans coming out of the woodwork. What? Upset that all these times they've been watching this commercial, they're annoyed that no one's wearing Patriots gear in that commercial. <laughs> the actual champs checks out. were not there. That's the level of, uh, you know, those are the biggest issues they're dealing with right now as fan base. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's not, it's a bunch of like young, hip, cool people dancing around. You, you, that's not really the Patriots, you know, fan. What, what about the Browns guy with the, the biting motion? I See, here's the thing. I don't watch. So on Sundays when we're tracking, you know, th- three games at the same time, you're watching a television with sound. You have an earpiece in your ear with three other games, a red zone happening. You got my TV. Sound. I don't have and an earpiece on. I'm going out and out. So the, the champ is here commercial because when you get in that area of the day where three commercial breaks and you're happy at the same time and the champ is here is playing a second and a half off <laughs> from each version and it's blasting throughout the entire room and then it happens 25 <laughs> more times and then you have Dan and Greg singing it throughout the entire slamming it, slamming yeah, it on it's the just ground. Like, guess what? This stopped being funny about two and a half months ago and you persist with the joke and it goes on Thank and on you. and it's now a drop on our show. Thank you. <laughs> It cannot get to 9 o'clock quick Chip enough on Sundays. Five a nickel for every time Chip Greg went. The tube is here, and then the back Chip of my neck just went. Right, and then it's Dan singing it, and then Greg, and then someone else turning around, and then it's actually on the television. For you, know who, you know who is happy about the champ? You too. We office. get it. <laughs> Jadakiss. Back in Don't our lives. Care. Jadakiss. Was that his? Cashing those checks. Tim and Eminem. Good for him and his money. Tim rapping there, I think. <laughs> All right. So, yes, Ron Rivera is canned, uh, but Jason Garrett might not be far behind. Jared Jones has been doing the media tour um, ever since the Thanksgiving loss to the Bills uh, put Dallas's uh, season upside down. And Jared did, uh, of course, he was in front of the locker room in tears talking about how this team had a, like a Disney ending in store and, and don't give up on a stat yet. Um, and now he's on the radio uh, 105.3 The Fan, and he's talking about Jason Garrett and being a head coach, not necessarily with Dallas, but being a head coach in 2020. Nobody's got the exclusive skills to get the job done so that collectively you can win a Super Bowl. But they're qualified people. Uh, Jason Garrett is one of them. In my opinion, Jason Garrett would be coaching in the NFL next year. <laughs> Well, Mark, you just got mad about Champus here. You got to be mad about that comment. Come on. Well, I mean, the one thing I said over and over is that I I would not be surprised if joining Ron Rivera soon would be Jason Garrett because the tidbit that interests me is Lincoln Riley, the Oklahoma coach, Ian Rappaport saying that he's formed, in quotes, a close relationship with Jerry Jones. And I think that there is going to be competition, as I thought there would have been last year, for Lincoln Riley, who has shown an ability to work with young college system quarterbacks. And so do you want to be the you know overly procedural Cowboys that wait until after week 17 and yet yeah, you're the Cowboys, so you have an advantage no matter what? 
Or do you get on that bus sooner mm. than later? If you know you're already talking about Jason Garrett this way, if our, if your boss was talking about you this way to people publicly, I'd be concerned. I'd be looking for. <laughs> I'd be looking around. And Jason Garrett, you can see it on his face to some degree. I feel like in games, and someone pinged me saying, "How can you possibly know what Jason Garrett is thinking by what he says on his face?" Because we mentioned that during the Thanksgiving telecast or uh, broadcast, whatever it was that didn't get broadcasted, and <laughs> they're like, he, "He's the same face all the time." I know he is, but it just seems to have that look in his eyes where you can see it coming. He's out. And I think that if you really want Lincoln Riley and you want to move that train, that Jerry Jones is already thinking that way. Was that somebody that had their ear to the garage door at my house that was able no, to hear the podcast? they are one of the one of the 10 or 12 people that it somehow escaped. Not Erica's fault. Not blaming Erica, nor would I ever. Well, for this would, that would set a new precedent, what you're suggesting, that a first-place team earmarked for the playoffs would fire its coach. I mean, that calling them a first-place team is like the when we, what we got into with the Brock Osweiler leading the Texans to the playoffs <laughs> thing. They're about as first-place a team right now as... It's just, Me and Wes have been through a lot today. You don't have to bring up the Brock Osweiler. Oh, thing. my God. That, it, <laughs> well, I'm not against him on that topic, but it was, Cowboys are 6-6 six and six and in first place lost season. It would... It would be weird because yeah they're trying all they got to do is get to the dance and they might they'll, they'll have a home game and you right. never know what's going to happen i mean in theory he could decide he'd rather have chris richard being the head coach but why it doesn't that How about this? so they lost he, to chicago i i still don't think he he basically said he'll do it through the end of the season but it's just a hilarious quote i mean it's the most jerry jones quote ever i wish every owner was like this if you really think about it i mean he was willing to talk about totally it totally he was like halfway through what he's saying <laughs> and he's like wow how do i save this and you know he's defending garrett but he's i think he'll be a coach in the nfl who knows might be a position coach the rest you of know. his explanation made sense i thought he was he was on a, he was on right. the right track exactly that's it he'll be a coach in the NFL. And you know, sports are so stupid in, in the most beautiful way that you're right, Mark. Like the Cowboys shouldn't be taken seriously and they're six and six and they're not a true playoff team. But, you know, watch them beat the Niners in wildcard weekend at home. I mean, it's like that should not surprise anyone. I mean, just like this idea. But I'm saying the idea things change so quickly in the NFL. So I would think firing Garrett or is that what you were saying? Well, like maybe you should be let go now. I'm saying I could see it. How about this? What if you wanted to get a under pressure look and what you, this is not a Super Bowl team and Jerry Jones I know he's delusional at times has to see that what if you wanted to give Chris Richard who I think is a head coach himself in waiting a test run during a high pressure month Could and see, see what happens because maybe the big the big thing that keeps coming up with Jason Garrett is cannot connect with players well maybe Chris Richard can and turn this locker room into something else and you go avoid these post game shouting matches in the locker room they are not on the same page gotta, as a team. I would say beware right of small sample sizes too, like Freddie Kitchens using him as an example. Yeah. You know. I, I totally Doug, hear you. Doug Marone got his job from two games with Blake Bortles, one of which they lost. That's fine. You know what you have? You have a large sample size on Jason Garrett. What's that gotten you? It's going to get I, you more of the same a month from now. I would respect that. It would take some stones to turn the Major team stones. over to Chris Richard, and maybe it would produce some, some results that you weren't getting from Jason Garrett. So we're going to fire Garrett? No. I'm saying it's in the air. It's Although, possible. It's got to be possible that would be, Jerry Jones is Now, right. that would be stunning to me. What if they got waxed 30-7 to 7 on, on on Thursday Night Football against the Bears, and you and I have to wait 15, 20 minutes, 30 <laughs> minutes to do our wrap-up because this news is breaking? I could see that being a that possibility. That sounds terrible. Don't just, even speak that it, into the I see it being real. of the world. Well, we were, you know, it's, it, you might, well, you also just want to wait for the press conferences, I think, get some sound. You know, you want to cover. That's a big story. I might get so a sleeping bag might for be you more than the garage, Mark. Well, we'll, be, we'll, we'll call you two in for because that would definitely need all four of us. So, uh, Let's move on. 
the Jacksonville Jaguars are in tatters right now, speaking of Doug Marone, uh, following a 28-11 loss uh, to the Bucks, uh, in which Nick Foles turned it over in each of his thir- first three possessions, all three of those positions leading to touchdowns for the enemy. Marone went back to Gardner Minshew at the half, and he uh, announced what we all expected, that Minshew will stay in the lineup uh, both this Sunday mm-hmm. against... The Chargers. The Chargers, and for the balance of the regular season. So Minshew back in, uh, and the Minshew Maniacs uh, get their guy, and that's good. Uh, I would say, to me, Mark, the biggest storyline now out of this is what the hell are they going to do with Nick Foles? This guy, they just signed to, what, an $88 million contract with a ton of money guaranteed. What is the next step in this marriage now? Well, I think it's a wait and see, and it's if we if the next coach that goes to Carolina has a lot to think about and a lot to ponder along with the rest of the team for Cam Newton, so does the next coach in Jacksonville. There's going to be a new coach there, barring something shocking. That would be stunning if you want stunning. And they've got to figure out what to do with this situation. And I will point out that the minute that Gardner Minshew came in, the Browns were up ten nothing. Baker Mayfield was on fire, and what happened to the Browns the minute Gardner, when the, the minute Minshew wow. came in? And I'm telling you, well, what, this, you, you know, what's your, the, your they, theory? Is they, my my doppelganger theory that they are they're too much alike, and there's too much of the same thing. And that Gardner Minshew pulled energy. Gardner Minshew went out of the lineup. The Browns won three in a row. He came back in with them up ten nothing in Pittsburgh against the Steelers. Baker Mayfield is a terrible fumble. The Browns melt away. Gardner's back starting again. Troubling. So what do you want to happen then? I am very conflicted now because I like Gardner Minshew too, and I I don't know what to do. He would I, have to I, all struggle. Of it, right? All of it ends after this season. All whatever is happening <laughs> okay. mystically ends after this season. Well, like like well, in Carolina, good. yeah, I think the next coach and possibly the next GM are going to decide what they do at quarterback. And Foles is almost impossible to cut. You end up paying more money on the cap to cut him than you would just to keep him. But he could be very tradable if you're willing to eat some of his salary cap, and that becomes a little a little more palatable. That, that if they really want to get rid of him, I think someone would trade for him, especially if the Jaguars eat some money. I but again, I don't think Foles. It didn't work for the. Th- I mean, talk about small sample size. It didn't work for the three games, three and a half games he played coming off a, a serious injury, obviously. But court, they're in better shape at quarterback. Than they have been, you know, for the rest of this decade with Foles and Minshew. So I, I don't think it's like some, you know, emergency. Their team is an emergency. I was surprised. I looked at your power rankings, Dan. I mean, to me, they'd be number thirty-two. I think they are the worst team in the NFL right now. I mean, in terms of how they're playing, they have not been within three scores of an opposing team in five straight games, four straight games. That's outrageous. I blew it. They're- <laughs> no, you didn't blow it. I just say they're not even. They're no, just not competitive. Hey, there's a case. Uh, the late twenties, I would imagine. Oh. Foles just a bad. He's just a bad combination with that offensive line, which was getting its doors blown off by Buccaneers pass rushers in that game. And even Minshew, when he came in, had to make incredibly quick jump cuts to get out of the way just to get passes off. And and I think the the three games we saw with Foles. It looked like a much less effective version of the Flacco Broncos offense, mm. where you had this, as Mark would say, stone pony behind an offense. Stone Age pony. Stone Age pony who cannot block, and Foles just moved too slow. I, I'm, Chad Khan was kind of the David Tepper of the league when he came in. He's done some interesting things, including making them the, you know, the team of London. I am really fascinated to see what they do with their offseason, and they're about as analytic-minded as any team in the NFL. Uh, finally, in news, uh, Kai Forbev. Oh, boy. 
He's been evicted from the kicker club. That was quick. Um, a day after appearing in his first game with the Patriots, a game in which he missed an extra point, but he absolutely hammered a 23-yard field goal um, through the upgrade, uprights and also hit an extra point. Uh, the Pats decided to go in a different direction. So Forbeth uh, was waived, and uh, Nick Folk, who's been on the mend following that appendectomy, which led to the Forbeth signing. Is Folk back in now, or do they are they looking for another kicker? And what are we up to, five? I think the, if, Is this how you win Super Bowls? If, if Folk is uh, healthy... Uh, yeah, and the plan is he's back. So yeah, he's Steven he's Gaskowski. They started with. Then they went to the Nuge. Then they went to Folk Hero, and they brought him off a golf course. Then they got Kai's Kai, and now back to Folk. I, I believe so. I feel it, like this is going to because hurt it's them the Patriots. Point. No it's one delightful. actually knows. <laughs> you know, it, it's like, hey, who needs an appendix? Get back out on the field, Folk. It's like, I don't know. <laughs> and I and I say for the um, for, for all the Kai heads out there that this is the best thing that could have happened because well, you didn't want to see him thrive with the evil empire. Let's let's get him back and let's get him practicing. Wait, uh, now you're a fan of Kai. I Because ever <laughs> since we kind of connected the dots that I might have something to do with it potentially. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, who would want to have uh, career-changing <laughs> playoff kicks in Foxborough? That would be terrible for him. Uh, Give me a break. Yeah, this was his chance. I liked it. No matter and who, he blew it. No matter who they trot out there at this point, he's blowing the game for him. My favorite, yeah. uh, I think. But the, I want him to get back in the league with a team that's not the Patriots. I am convinced, but not the Jets. Belichick took <laughs> a delay of game penalty uh, to make Kai's extra point a little longer in the second half of that game, just as a test, and that was his. I'm just going to mess with Kai a little bit. I'm going to look at the long-term picture and see what Kai, how he handles this. And Kai yanked it. And at that point, he was an XP. How much money did he make for essentially one week of work with the Patriots? I don't know if it's over under like 20 grand. Not a bad... Oh, it's got to be more. Oh, it's... Way, it's well, grand? yeah. Minimum is what? 800,000. And then you divide that by 17. So... Be a kicker. Be a, be a bad kicker that gets pulled in like by a team for one week and make, you know... Sixty, seventy thousand, I think. Sixty, seventy thousand, and then go back and do nothing for the next two years. And uh, <laughs> sounds great. I mean, Kai's the problem with Kai. Kai's Kai. You got used to that lifestyle when yeah. Kai was really Kai, and suddenly you got a mortgage to pay. Sky high, Kai. They called him. You got you got women. You got everything. Well, we don't know. We don't know that he has all those things. But um, and one last note in the news. <laughs> I always like these things. One of the best plays of the year was that trick play on Sunday night. Uh, Deshaun Watson receiving the pass from DeAndre Hopkins. It was revealed that uh, Hopkins and Watson drew it up on a piece of uh, notebook paper and handed it to the coach. I like when football gets like broken down to just kids in a playground. Feels very 1970s. It's awesome. It's it's a great little twist to that. They've been practicing it for four weeks. It's very similarly. Uh, the Steelers players were talking about how Mike Tomlin got on the chalkboard at halftime against the Browns yes. and oh, broke yeah. it down yes. like they were in high school. Here's what we're going to do to uh, break Mark Sessler's heart. Yeah, it's like, you know. <laughs> Not even a dry erase board. <laughs> Chalkboard. I like that. Uh, Zolak, do you think he's gotten over it yet, by the way? <laughs> the loss? Well, the trick play. Oh. <laughs> he hasn't acknowledged it. That might, from, be, that might be coming back. <laughs> <laughs> nice try. It ain't coming back, Scotty. Did you really not listen to it before we were on the show? Or- no, I swear to God. That was the first time I'd heard it. Uh, it delivered. Can I hear that again? <laughs> it delivered. It seemed like you knew it was going to be good. That might be coming back. 
Uh, no, that's not going to stand. Uh, all right, that's what's happening in the news. Real quick, let's check in with the teams that we forked uh, two weeks ago today because there needs to be accountability, of course, and we're all about that. Uh, so let's see. The teams that we forked. Do we have our old? Yeah. Stick a fork in them. Ooh. <laughs> Check. All right. Uh, we had forked. You know, I look back at this list and I was like, come on, guys. I mean, if we're going to do it, we should do it. More aggressive. Amen, brother. Yeah. yeah. Bengals, Redskins, Giants, Dolphins, Bucks, Jets, Cardinals, Lions, Broncos, Bears, Falcons, Chargers, Panthers. <clears throat> that was weird. And I was pushing for the Eagles, which they've lost both games since, but they're still just one game out. So that that's a that would be a ballsy one. The Browns we were all in favor of keeping. Was there another team that we were on the fence a little bit at the time? We discussed the Rams. Discussed the Rams. They um, they lost, but then had a win, and they're kind of hanging around. This is our last chance to to fork. I think we should stick our necks necks out a little bit here. Wait, we're gonna we're actually going to fork teams today. I didn't know that. No, well, I the mean Browns certainly. While we're here, we should uh, you know uh, you know take out the cod piece. And, you know what I mean? Like let's <laughs> let's get out there and, and and risk it. You can get rid of Cleveland. No risk it, no biscuit. Well, yeah, Cleveland's Cleveland's gone. Is that a hand this original take out the cod <laughs> yes, piece? I, I didn't know what to say. <laughs> All right, I would vote for the Browns as well at this stage. They gone. Okay, get the Browns out. Um, Eagles. I mean, this list looks. Oh, of course, that had to be Sheck doing that. We were ahead of the (laughs) game because all those teams that were on the borderline have lost two straight since we since we forked. Oh, the Bears have won two straight, and no one's worried about that. I'd still fork the Bears. Absolutely, yeah, of course. Still okay because their their schedule is treacherous. Eagles, I'd fork. Eagles, yeah, fork them. I'm keeping them alive. I don't. This Cowboys you know, team is such a mess that I just, I just, you know that 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 game is a playoff game for the Eagles. The Cowboys could get in otherwise, but uh, no, Greg, you're a slick one. What? And you want this to go away? Why wouldn't you vote a team that you think can make the playoffs, thus ending the segment forever? I feel I like mean, this is be a chess move that you would have employed. You a slick one? It's gonna be on my tombstone. He was a slick one. I have too much integrity. I think the Eagles have a shot. (laughs) Too much integrity. That's the reason. Is there any other team besides the Browns? I feel like we're... I don't think you can fork the Rams. Oh, the Raiders. Uh, I could have forked... I actually wanted to fork the Raiders two weeks ago, but I felt bad for their... their They're they're heading in the wrong direction. I would fork them to just uh, I want them to hang around especially Mark I know you're going there in a few weeks we want some drama there not because I think anyone believes that they're going to be on the edge of a playoff yeah are they really hanging around I mean they are they're only one game behind the Steelers and Titans and so they beat if they beat the Titans on Sunday they're 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 okay they're seven and six they are I just don't their schedule is Jaguars, Chargers, Broncos. After that. I, I don't want to fork them. I don't well, want. Well, see, you are the one you're talking yeah, about both sides of your mouth yeah. here. No, but oh, I'm saying that, that particular team, I don't want to do. Well, I know we all have particular teams. Right, exactly. That's why it's hard to all agree on. <laughs> well, it. I was I was trying to get the Eagles out two weeks ago. Let's get them out. There. No, I'm sticking with them. Raiders and Eagles out. I would get rid of the Raiders. <laughs> and uh, would you get rid of the Raiders, Mark? And I would get rid of the Colts. I would. Oh, Colts, Colts are out. Let's get the yeah, Colts, Colts out. Yeah, Colts. Get them out. They go. Here's the thing, though. Anyone, they, so they took the Colts. Their schedule is pretty favorable. Who? They do have to play in New Orleans 
So if you're gonna if you need to get to ten wins, it's gonna be tough for them. Hey, they lost to Pittsburgh too, so they don't have a tiebreaker against Pittsburgh. That's rough. They have the Panthers and Jaguars to to finish up so in the Bucks uh, this week. But yeah, could, I, I'm gonna fork them. They could go two and two. Jake Brisket is throwing passes to like UPS delivery men and and mailmen at this point. All right, I'm down to fork them. I yeah, I, I suggest they gone. See, All that's right. where Greg sneakily gets a team out that might just get back in without it being too overt. See like that. What about the Rams? No. I just honestly, I think I'd be the first person to say remove it, but I'm a little freaked out after their last uh and we can get mm-hmm. in, get into that in our next segment, but it's the I plan to get into it in our seven, next. All right, let's hold off. Wins. On this. All right, so the Cleveland Browns, the Indianapolis Colts, they're both gone <laughs> and uh still, you know, the cod piece, I would say still it's secure. <laughs> still secure. Yeah. It's like from a Shakespearean play setting. <laughs> I would fork the Raiders just for the fun of it, but then we'd be rooting against the Ra- I don't know. I don't know if it feels right. Hey, they they're not fun to root against this season. Hey, here, here's a, a good reason to do it. They've been outscored 74 to 12 oh, the last two weeks. That's terrible. They're not good. I mean, that's 74 to 12. Watch them win Sunday, though. Fine. They right. get, These they, things don't seem to mean anything. I, I get it. Problem. But getting blown out like that badly two weeks it's in not a row, good look. you're not good. And. Could they win three out of four? I really doubt it. But even that wouldn't get them in the playoffs. This is a pretty safe fork in my mind. I mean, I think they're a team that would should be happy to All right, split. I'll their fork last them. Four. Anybody else? I, I would because the I just, Raiders? I'm yeah. with you. I just uh, yeah. I would they fork, go. Fork the hell out of them. All congrats. So we forked three more teams. <laughs> and that uh, Ricky, how many did we have before that going into today? Um, we had. I sent them to you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Well, this is the goal that we always set. We wanted to fork half the league. Thirteen plus three. Thirteen plus three. Eight. Thirteen. Thirty-two minus sixteen. It sixteen. That's half the league. So we've forked half of football. Now, met. Now the cod piece is inching out, inch by inch, Wes. <laughs> if I ever figure out what this means, I'm gonna like it. All right. I mean, 74 to 12. The one touchdown was in garbage time that they were desperate <laughs> to still score. That, that, that drive annoyed me. They still were just like, that so phone, desperate. I still see them finishing nine and seven. Um, all right. Let's now. This is kind of like a sister segment here. Which team changed your mind the most in week 13? Oh, yeah. Wes. I know you're excited, Wes. Uh, let's get going with you here. Which team did, uh, you know, you watched him, you said, whoa, 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 stop the clocks. <laughs> well, Mark alluded to this a minute ago, but the, the Los Angeles Rams, whom I've been saying for the past six weeks, just not a good football team. Their offense is broken. Their offensive line is not trustworthy. Their all-pro running back is a, sh- a shell of his former self. The quarterback hasn't played well in over a year. Uh, and the defense, defense actually pretty good this year. And what I saw against the Cardinals, and you can say, hey, it was the Cardinals. Sure, there's there's some of that. Um, but the Cardinals had played the 49ers to the nails in two straight games. They played a really close game with the Bucks. We have been saying the Cardinals look pretty good. And the Rams came out partying like it was 2017. By the way, welcome back, Todd Gurley. Mm, he's he's been pretty good the last three So you're saying he's moving weeks. like the Todd of Earl, or uh, old. I would say... <laughs> For the first time this year, when I saw Todd Gurley play, I thought, yes, you can justify that contract in 2020. 
He looked explosive, elusive, smooth, no longer just a grinder, which he had been most of the year. His best run of the game was a 28-yard touchdown that was called back on a, a holding penalty, I think, where he exploded through the hole, looking like 2017 Todd Gurley. And I, my contention is that this offense has always been about Todd Gurley. Everything about the offense is about Todd Gurley opening things for the play-action game and Jared Goff. If he's playing at that level, this is the team because – I think you can look at that game where it's mid-third quarter, Rams have 492 yards and Cardinals have 71. And you say, which one is more impressive, the smothering ball-hawking defense or the smoothest silk big play offense in that Ooh, game? Smoothest silk. They were smooth. I mean, Goff was in, in rhythm. Gurley was explosive. Robert Woods was making But they're going plays. up against a, uh, one of the worst pass defenses. That's fair. And, and hammered them. The, and the do question. you trust that? I've, I've been on, like, believing that they can turn it around for much of the year. And I think they've had stretches. People slept on that their offense had some good performances, including in Seattle. It just comes down to, can you win? I think they can beat the Seahawks this week. That's what their season comes down to it, though. you got to beat the Seahawks, and then you got to win in Dallas to set up that it matters week 16 going to San Francisco. So it's a very tough road for them. Well, you could get, if the Vikings go in the hole, you could get that wild card. Right. But you still probably got it. No matter what, you got to win, I think, three out of these four. The question for me is their offensive line. They're the one area I still don't trust. I don't know if they can play that well against, and according to Pro Football Focus, even though they were getting 500 yards by the middle of the third quarter, the offensive line still played poorly except for Whitworth. I, they were on my list too. I've been hard on them all year, and they gave me pause a big time at watching the game pass of that film too. I, I The Rams to me, you're, every year you get one of these teams that's kind of been a sleeper all season long, and they awaken for the last four games. They win three or four. They win four or five, and they sneak into the wild card. And like this, this team has a playoff experience. I wouldn't put it past mm. them. Uh, that was one of the most makes, impressive performances by any team all year. Makes Sunday game. night a fun, uh, a good one for Al and Chris. Seattle, Los Angeles. Yummy. All right. Mark, which team changed your mind? Well, I'll, I'll start with a team that I was destroying days before on Twitter, and it was Pittsburgh, because I really, really believed that comprehensive Pittsburgh— Comprehensive hammer. I, yes, I'd said that a comprehensive hammer drop was about to occur, and <laughs> I, I couldn't have been more wrong, and I fell for— uh, I fell into a trap of not understanding what the Steelers have been all along. They've really been this team all along. And I know that Mike Tomlin peeps. There are, there's a pocket of Steelers fans and a pocket of football people that think that Mike Tomlin should have been gone before or should be gone at some point. This is coach of the year material for me and what I really think of when I think of coach of the year because of what has been stripped away and what how many excuses he could have and his just the way he marches around on the sideline and the way that and to the point chalkboarding at halftime and he doesn't care who's in there and you know as you I'm going to this Raiders game and I'm doing some research on the Raiders of the 70s and uh, late 60s and early 70s who were essentially misfits an AFL outfit that almost went bankrupt and then became an NFL giant because Al Davis just believed in every single person on the roster and he brought people in that no one wanted and they believed they would win every week and they won with lesser rosters than some other teams had. And it reminds me of Pittsburgh's total tough-minded badassery week after week. They're total men and they proved it against a, t- a Browns team 
uh, with too much talk around it, too much chaos, and a lack of discipline. And who cares how much talent they have? Pittsburgh didn't care. And they changed my mind going forward in the sense that I don't care about the record. I don't care about who they play. I don't care about who's playing quarterback. They have a chance every week. They're going to make the playoffs, and they're going to win their first-round playoff game. Well, I I do care who's playing quarterback, and that's why they helped convince me that they're a factor because Duck Hodges did look good. I was... You know, skeptical. It's such a limited sample size that we saw him before. I think he showed a little more in this game uh, than he did previously. I mean, Duck Hutton's fun. He's a little Philip Rivers-like, the way he throws it and, like, slings it down the field. Like, not a big arm, but a good downfield thrower. I was impressed that after he threw an awful interception that they let him keep throwing to win the game. It was a big show of confidence. Benny Snell... Uh, ran pretty well for them. Yeah, I, I love the way Deontay Johnson... Like, they have just enough offense, which I, I didn't think they had. But with Duck Hodges, I do think they have just enough offense to be a Depending factor. Depending on the opponent, right? I mean, yeah. does this act work once you get to the superpower stage of... No, probably not. But to, I didn't... At this whole year, I did not think they could make the playoffs. And now I realize... They beat those Rams they, they a have few a, weeks ago. They have a pretty good chance to make the playoffs. Um... Now, his nickname is Duck. There's a story floating around that him and James Washington... Um, they go hunting together. They hunt duck. Uh, so I assume that's where his nickname. He's always been a, He's a, duck, a duck hunter. How many ducks do you have to shoot to get the nickname duck? I mean, what do you think his kill count is? I believe he's an expert duck caller, and that's right. Where he came yes. From. Right, he won uh, uh, that. You know, Al. But Al, you don't call the duck to pat him on the head if you get me. Because he started right. that Sunday night game when we were in London, and Al leaned into the. I mean, the whole telecast was about the competitions he won, statewide duck hunting oh, competitions. Wow. He loved it. It was Al at his finest. Love it. All right, you go, Greg. Uh, the Bills. I I was worried everyone was mind. just gonna just say the Bills, and uh, you didn't. So I'm pleased because I I fell into the trap of kind of like. You, you see a team all year and, and you get caught into like, well, they're not as good as their numbers say they are and, and their defense isn't as good as everyone says they are. And like, I think that was true the first two months, but it, I, wasn't, I wasn't unbiased enough to see what was happening, that this team was now playing to what their record was and their defense is now playing to what we expected at the beginning of the season. And most importantly, Josh Allen is, I mean, played the best game of his career. Uh, in Dallas and has played three. I think the the two games before it were good, maybe a little overheated, but good enough and and enough of him running the ball that this team is dangerous and they've played their best three games of the year, I think, in a row. And that's what you want to be entering December. Well, to your point, uh, Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders tweeted late last night, Josh Allen's DVOA was minus 24.8 in weeks 1 through 5, and it's plus 6.7 from weeks 7 to 13. He's been an above-average Not turning it over anymore. And and with that team and that defense and the way they're operating, that's kind of the key from him. What? Yeah, how would you explain that turnaround? Did they? Was there a schematic shift, or is it just him getting more and more comfortable? We forget that he's only been around, what, for about 20 NFL starts. It's 25. It's Avoiding it. mistakes, I think, is the number one. Right, just being a little more careful. I think dialing it dialing it back a little bit and he's gotten into he's gotten he got in the Dallas game at least into a good hot streak of good decision making and good throws and you just haven't seen I think it, that increased comfort him. with Cole Beasley and John Brown week after week John Brown quietly leading or was leading before last week the AFC in receiving and just as importantly though Matt Milano is everywhere and the defense is the game wrecking defense that we we talked we were we were very high on the 
Bills going into well, the season. Well, we love the secondary. Saying that they could win 10 or 11 games because of their defense, and you've and you've really seen it the last three three weeks. And Ed Oliver's been a new man since he got benched. He's he's just played a lot right. better. He's been and good. I think you can trace Josh Allen's good play also back to Devin Singletary emerging as the feature back there. Uh, the Bills have who this week? The Ravens. They have a Ravens. very tough sk- – they have the Ravens. They have the Patriots. They have the Steelers. Uh, at Pittsburgh and at New England. Yeah. Then so, the Jets to close. So it's as tough as it gets, but I don't care. I think they're just going to be uh, a load to deal with, even if the Ravens win that game, and, and they're going to be a load to deal if with they, for the Steelers and the Patriots. If they ever won, they're at home against Baltimore, so that's you know they have a shot. If they ever won that game and the Pats lose, and they got the head-to-head matchup coming up, that is... Wow, can you imagine that? Nobody would have predicted that before the season. You could also could you can also division. draw a journey to ten and six. And I'm not I'm high on the Bills and super enjoy them and root for them as like a pet team. But that's that is, right. that is the, rough. That's a playoff run right there. Right, but at Pittsburgh, I, to me now, I think at Pittsburgh, at New England are you know more winnable than I. Th- Certainly at Pittsburgh, and, and at New England's more winnable than I thought it would be. In ten and six, you probably think gets at you Pittsburgh's in. Pittsburgh's more winnable than you thought it would be. Well, because the Bills look this good, yes. I don't trust like anyone. To watch more Pittsburgh Steelers right defense. Mm. I also would say that you, I just think that's an even matchup at worst. Buff, for them. Buffalo, New England is not a normal game. They're, the same way that the Jets in the deal with New England and bad teams deal with that one superpower in their own division. The, there are a lot of ghosts hanging around that, and that would be an epic, gigantic, huge victory for so many more reasons than the current state of the team or the record. Speaking of ghosts hanging around, the the Texans changed my mind in Week 13. Uh, I've always liked the Texans. I like O'Brien. I love the quarterback, uh, but it always did feel like um, there was an intimidation factor or a little brother complex with the Patriots, uh, you know, the Letterman jackets and all that. And I have to admit when certain uh, Texans players showed up Sunday in Kevlar vests and reposing in the in the tunnel underneath the stadium, I, I thought it was 50 nothing. Very concerned. Yeah, I thought the Patriots <laughs> well, Bonnie roll. Jones had a great point that it had a Magic Mike vibe to it. It was so it. bad. It was, so, <laughs> like, it was the most... Like, happy birthday. <laughs> if the most cringy thing that's happened in this season was Jalen Ramsey getting out of the, um, the armored truck with the money bags and the hype man to an empty uh, parking lot at Jacksonville training camp... This was right there or even a, a smidge above. So that was on my radar. And then they went out and played with absolutely no fear against the Patriots. That was a big takeaway uh, from the game for me. Not only did they win, uh, they played loose. They played confident. The, you know, the trick play we talked about. Uh, Zolak, you remember the trick play, don't you? Uh, that play, that and just showed... They're not afraid of them anymore. And I think that's a, a big subplot around... Uh, the NFL right now that people maybe are pumping up too much that the Patriots are going down in flames. I don't believe that necessarily, but I do now sincerely believe after this win, which I think was big on a number of levels, that the Texans, and I'll I'll go with the quarterbacks here, the holy trinity in the AFC of young quarterbacks, which is Mahomes, Lamar, and Watson, one of those guys is going to rise up and take over the AFC uh, and is going to take the crown in January. I just feel like this is the year, and I'll probably be eating my words come the end of January. <laughs> uh, but I na- I would not have put Watson in that category until I saw the way the Texans played, again, with no fear against the Patriots. I don't think uh, they would be a pushover against New England in January. It's, an, ama- it's an amazing setup in the AFC. I I think, I mean, we're, we're lucky. We've had some years where it hasn't been like this to – 
that these quarterbacks, Watson, Lamar, and Mahomes are leading three of the best teams is awesome, I think, for a football fan. And you still have the old guard like Breeze and Brady are going to be in that mix. And and Russell Wilson's kind of in between. But to have like these, I don't know. It's like a great setup for the playoffs this year. I hope it doesn't. One little thing I'd note is that the SWAT uniforms, we're just going to get more and more of that because... I, I don't think that it, that that as its own thing would be annoying. You had Seahawks players last night showing up in pajamas. Um, you had an, another group of Seahawks. Well, the players. Texans linebackers have been doing it a few weeks. We were uncertain. It's all based it was, off. It was of, Mortal NBA. It's it was Mortal like Kombat. That was what it was a few weeks ago. They the SWAT uniform. They weren't wearing shirts, right? Right. That hence they look the, like Chippendales. Dance. It's not like going away. Mike. You're going to get more and more. So, <laughs> telling you. Settle in for a fun December. This right. is the happiest I've been with the NFL in months. Look at look at what's going on. Jaguars, Steelers, Bengals, Broncos, Redskins are all playing their best and or mix, most exciting quarterback after making some weird decisions. There's no tanking going on. The only, when the only question is really Phillip Rivers among quarterbacks, the league is in for a good place in, in mid-December. It doesn't hurt that the Redskins, Dolphins, Jets, Bengals have all played better over the last month where there doesn't seem like as many just total walkovers. Someone even shook awake Al Riveron. We're in, we might be in good shape. <laughs> that is true. That's a good point. All right. Uh, there you go. Good seg. Oh, hold on real quick. Yeah. Two teams you do not want to see on your schedule for yes. for December. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You yeah. don't want anything to do with them right now. No, 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 no. They, their front seven is getting after people and their offense is explosive. And you don't want to play the Bengals right now. They're not the pushover you thought they were. By the way, speaking of the Bucks, your little Shaq Barrett narrative. When I have Evan Silva tweeting at me about Shaq Barrett, me alone, who's, I know who's, that you're whose narrative. Well, because what I said was my narrative. I said that every year, not in this, I'm looking at the whole room. Every you're year, right at me. I said every year there's a player that jumps out to eight sacks. Usually goes, they'll get three or four in one game, and then they flatline. I was, it had nothing to do with the person. <laughs> well, you of Shaq did, Barrett. You predicted he tur- would. You also did follow that up and predict he will get stuck at that, nine. That only confuses the point, Greg. I <laughs> like that. I agree with you. There is the one guy with thinking of was the year that Lorenzo Alexander for the Bills jumped Adrian out. Claiborne did it. Claiborne, yes. I mean, that's what I'm saying, but then now it's turned into uh, Mark is against Shaq Barrett. I couldn't be well, happier for fun. Shaq Barrett. Well, so. it, the great thing is it Wait, continues. Wait, what did you say about Evan Silva? He tweeted at me about some Shaq Barrett, like, <laughs> at, you know, metrics tweet, and I was just it, like, I, I just clicked like, because it's like, it's just gone. You know, you know he could. He has an outside, he's two sacks, so he's got 14 and a half now. He is two sacks away from Warren Sapp's franchise record. Wow. And Good guess what? He's knocking on the door. What if Shaq, what if he sets the NFL record <laughs> and restores the dignity sets and the, the pride NFL to record. the all-time right. NFL record? Wouldn't be more happy for him if I he does. I think it's 22 and a right. half or something I think like we'd have yeah. to replace Mark. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fine. <laughs> that's what would happen. He'll become the highest paid defensive player in league history this offseason. It'll be great. I'll become a, a, a mid-tier paid blogger somewhere. Where else? The all-time NFL, the NFL record is 22 and a half. So he'd have to get hot. He needs eight and four games. But he had seven and two games earlier this season leading to Mark's um, attack. <laughs> attack? Generalized attack on NFL trends. All right. Uh, real quick, Thursday Night Football preview. We already talked a bunch about Dallas. We know that they, um, despite being in first place in the NFC East, they've just been playing so inconsistent, and I forget. It feels like a million years ago, Wes. They were three and zero, you know, and now they're six and six. And I'll do the math on this one. Three, they've lost six of nine. That's that's bad. That's like that's, what a bad team does. Yes, 
So are they a bad team, as it turns out, or are they so dysfunctional internally and with Jarrah piping up all the time? Is it just created like a tight atmosphere? There's all sorts of questions to ask just beyond what the talent on the roster is. And now they go to the Bears on the road in prime time. This, West, this feels to me like a little bit of a dangerous spot for the Cowboys, who obviously need a get-right game in the worst way. They do need a get-right game, and I think they're the kind of team that sort of defies any kind of facile analysis. You, When so much of what they're doing wrong is the little things are coming back to bite them, randomness, which you saw in that stretch against the Bills. where Bad, bad luck. Every bad break went against them against the Bills for, for a two-quarter stretch where they dominated the first quarter. I thought it was Zeke's best first quarter of the entire season, breaking tackles, and they, they were only up 7 to nothing at the end of that quarter when they should have been up more, and that came back to bite them. A lot of what comes back to bite them is their own doing and their own lack of rhythm and their own lack of getting everyone on the same page. But, I mean, I just don't look at this team and think they're not talented. They're clearly talented. Uh, well, And I think Dax played, played well, but this is a tough spot. You know, I think the, the Bears' defense is good enough to hold them down. I've been disappointed with the, the Cowboys' offense the last couple of weeks. I know they've had, it's been a tough matchup. You had the weather in New England, but I, just, I didn't expect them to have – I think they had six straight trips inside Bill's territory where they didn't score a point. I mean, oh, that, by the way, Witten's killing them. I know we gave him credit earlier in the year. He's killing them right now. It's a it's a pretty fascinating six and six versus six and six game. As as that mat- type of matchup goes, there's a lot at stake here. That three and zero start whipping up on the Giants, Redskins, and Dolphins. Right? Their other wins: Eagles, Giants again, Lions. Their losses, they beat. They lost to the Saints, Packers, the Jets, the Vikings, the Patriots, the Bills. They play playoff teams, they lose. And I, the one thing that they have going for them is that the Bears des- deserve credit themselves for toilingly, endlessly in that world called mediocre. So I think it's just two relatively overall, I don't care what the, the talent on the roster, that's on Garrett for not coaching up the talent. Mediocre teams squaring off two days from now. These are the, t- these are the teams, I, Mark, knowing you, that you... They're on your radar. When we get to December and teams that are hanging around but have no business being spoken of as a Super Bowl contender, they just need to be sent to the wind. Right? Well, I mean, the Bears, the, the Bears were very nearly taken out by David Blau and the Blauhards, and that would have been an awesome let's, Thanksgiving Day story. But Let's calm down on, on Blau. I watched that I game, and I was like, what did I don't everyone need to calm watch? Down. I don't need to Trubisky calm down on David Blau. thoroughly outplayed Did him. you know that Marcus started a, a, a small fan club called the Blauhards? Well, to me, looks like a poor man's Duck Hodges. It was just well, kind of on. fun that you expected nothing, and then there was a touchdown or two. I don't think the performance itself worked. like he made three worked. or four throws that were like nobody, no defender was in, within 10 yards of the receiver. Well, then, it was like, Blau's great. Well, Come on, Blau Hards, fight back. Well, the Blau Hards are going to rage on. There is going to be... We're in issue one of 426 issues of the Blauhard <laughs> newsletter, which will, you know, this will go on for the next 40 years or Trubisky so. Trubisky played a little better. Anthony Miller a had lot a, better. a breakout game. That's his Montgomery first 300 yard game of them. the year. Are we going to overreact to Trubisky too? No, I'm I mean? not. I, in fact, I think even if he plays better, I do think this is where this is where they take their dirt nap. Finally, the Bears. You're going to lock him up again? No, <laughs> I'm not going near the Cowboys. They are no. Not on the road. Radio I mean, average. this is a winnable game for Chicago too. But I, I, I do think, I think I'll Dallas lock is up offense. the Cowboys. Let's do it. Wow. Well, you're hot. You know, you've won four in a row. Oh, I know. You and I have the same record now. You're coming after. You've already caught me, and you're coming after the top. I'm. I'm I don't have any aspirations. Uh, we're taking this one week. That at lock time. trophy sitting on your desk, or right. it was at least. 
We're taking this one week at a time. Um, all right, Mark and I Speaking will be plow hard. Uh, handling <laughs> handling the Thursday night football recap of Sigh. the game we just previewed, and then uh, you'll hear from the gang of four. Your last one of the year. Did you know that's that? That's it. We are wrapping it up. Wes and I will take the next Thursday night, and that's it for TNF for this. Jets Ravens, get ready for a barn burner. <sighs> that's what it is. I'm so thankful. Really, I'm thankful ultimately for that meltdown in Cincinnati because I did not want to be in a situation where the Jets were 7-7 seven and seven and I'm getting super amped for a Thursday night game in Baltimore. I don't need that. Have you noticed what's going on this week in Jets country? Uh, I'm, I'm typically plugged in, but what, what are you? I think Lev Bell's camp is starting to leak word that he's just not being used right, and that's been the problem all year. Like You're starting to see all these... All these articles are popping up that Lev Bell is just used irresponsibly by the head coach. It was definitely, I, maybe it's from his camp, it was definitely the beat writer's radar immediately because he got 10 carries in a game against the worst run defense in the league. But, I mean, who cares? We'll talk about the Jets. He All could right. start his own newsletter with Kenyon Drake. David Johnson, he's just not on the team anymore, really. What's up with that? We'll save that for Thursday, too. Got a lot to talk about still. And we're not going to speak between uh, now no, and then. That so. is not, we don't do that anymore because why? <laughs> Ricky didn't do it. Dan Hans is signing off for Quiet Storm. The mailman, the old boss. Ricky, I didn't do it. Holiday behind the glass. Till Thursday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.